This is a pod about Duchenne muscular dystrophy, a genetic progressive disease mainly affecting boys. Every year, 10 boys in Sweden are born with Duchenne. The earlier you find out, the better the prognosis. In this episode, you will meet Robert Sten from Norway. His son Mats had Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Robert's story is about making assumptions about things you can't see and about Mats and gaming and finding true friendship online. What did the strong friendship online mean to Mats? In a way, Mats recreated his life online. He made a framework which he couldn't do in his physical world and he got friends from all over Europe which I think in one sentence meant almost everything to Mats through his gaming experiences. Mats was born with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. When did you find out that he had the diagnosis? Mats was born in 1989. In a jokeful way he always said that uh, I was born in the year when the Berlin Wall had to come down. And it's a strange thing to think about. It's a funny thing to think about that a wall had to come down for me to be born. So he was born in 1989. He got the Duchenne diagnosis at the age of four in the spring months of 1993. So that's when we learned about Duchenne, which we were going to live with and will probably live with for the rest of our lives. What symptoms did you see when he was little? I think it's quite classic. Uh, Mats uh, did not like to participate in the normal activities with his friends when he was three, two, three years old. He didn't want to run. He didn't want to climb ladders, stairs. He didn't want to be uh, physically active as his friends in the neighborhood at home uh, would be. So he chose what we call different strategies for his play. And he was more of a Lego builder uh, than he was physical. And this started to worry us when he turned three, three and a half years old. And we started to address this with the physical medical staff we had here in Oslo. But they looked upon us as being fresh new parents, as being a little bit overreacting. And they explained it as uh, a little bit slower physical development, which it was quite normal. But we didn't settle for that. And we started to address this more and more frequently. And after a while, we got six months with uh, more thorough investigations in his physical uh, behavior. And in the end, in May 1993, he was diagnosed with Duchenne. And he got a sister when he was one and a half years old. How, how was their relationship? His sister Mia was born in October uh, 1990, 15 months after Mats was born. And as very many sisters, she very, even though she was born 15 months later than him, she very fast became the older sister. Uh, it's very often like that with boys and girls. They were extremely close. They were close both in age and in mental capacity. They loved each other uh, from the bottom of their heart and they spent uh, naturally most of their childhood and up growing uh, very close to each other and with each other. And then Matsi discovered gaming and he was part of the gaming community. 
being born uh, late 80s and growing up in the 90s meant that you met Game Boy at the age of 10. You met the plumber Super Mario and his uh, brother Luigi. You met uh, the gorilla Donkey Kong. And that was in a way how it was supposed to be uh, at, uh, late in the 90s. So both Mia and Mats met gaming uh, early in their lives. But obviously, as Duchenne deprived Mats from participating more and more in the physical activities with his friends, the gaming took relatively more and more of his time, while Mia developed more in the physical world and became a handball player, Mats became a gamer. Did gaming become a source of conflict in the family? <laughs> yes, in a way. Uh, I think through that my wife and I, we were very classical parents. Uh, we didn't view gaming as a full worthy activity for our children. So we were quite strict on how much gaming Mia was allowed to do. It was a maximum of two hours every day and she had to stop the gaming at 8, 8.30 the latest every evening because it was important for her to do her homework, to do her physical training towards the handball career that we imagined for her and all this classical stuff. While Mats, who had Duchenne and was more limited in his physical activities, he was allowed to game more than Mia was because we saw that as kind of an entertainment for him, something that he could do and which Mia uh, could of course also do, but she could do so much more else in the physical world. And Mia didn't like this because for her gaming was also important, as it is for many children and young people. So it was a little bit of, uh, if not physical, so at least some arguments that was uh, uh, shared in the family in those years, that's correct. When did you find out that he had another world online? I think the, the, the real understanding of the alternative world, the uh, reshaped world that Mats had created online, the real understanding of that, uh, I am not, I don't think that I really understood it before, after he had passed. Mats died uh, in October 2014. On the day that Mats passed away, I wrote a post into his blog. It took only two hours, I think, before we got the first mail. And then the rest of the day, it came mails from all over Europe, from Sweden, from Denmark, from the Netherlands, from the UK, from France, from Spain, from Belgium, from Germany. It was people from all over Europe that had a very close relationship to Mats, people who viewed him as his friends, it was teachers, plumbers, people working in the public sector, university students, all kind of people who obviously had a very close relationship to my son and which I didn't know about, even though I lived together with my son for his entire life. That was a very special experience for me. And you have kept in touch with them and got to know them? After they had sent a mail and told me how shocked they were that Mats had passed away. Some of them started to ask if it was possible to come to Oslo to participate in Mats's funeral. 
and they had put together money where they all shared on the cost for those who wanted to fly to Oslo on the 28th of November 2014 to participate in his funeral. Money for the flight tickets and for hotels. So they came from England, from Sweden, from Denmark and from the Netherlands. These were people that viewed Mats as being as close friends as we in the family were to him, even though they had never met. And this was also kind of a strange experience that people we never heard about, people we never saw, could actually experience Mats as at least a strong friend and as close as we in the closest family were. And they came all to Oslo on that funeral day and I have kept in contact with them ever since. It's now only a little bit more than a week since his sixth anniversary for his funeral. And every year they meet in this role-playing world, World of Warcraft, in this fantastic place called Asroth, and they have what they call a howl. A howl is when they meet. This time, and I participated in this, they met on an island, all of these friends, 20 people all together, plus minus, and they tell stories, they share memories that they had with the characters of Mats, a character called Iblin and a character called Jerome. And every time one of these memories are shared, they end the sharing by everybody howling up towards the sky, remembering their friend that passed away six years ago. He found friendship and love online. All parents recognize when I say that maybe the most important thing for us, for us as parents is that we want our children to be social success. We want them to have lots of good friends. We want them to experience love. We want, to, we want them to experience falling in love. We want them to experience long-lasting relationships and friendships. For those of us who have experienced to have disabled children, where the physical relations with other people are quite limited, and this is the situation amongst others, of course, with the Shen boys, uh, this is maybe the biggest fear we have. We fear that they should never experience the same kind of relationships, friendships, love that we do in the physical world. But in this respect, Mats proved this fear to be so wrong because he experienced all of this in his online gaming world. The only thing I regret from this is that I didn't experience it myself or I didn't realize it before after he had passed. As you mentioned, Mats had a blog and he wrote with a lot of warmth and humor. He wrote about an episode where he was happy and dancing with his wheelchair on a wedding. But he also wrote about his thoughts as a young adult. Would he meet a girlfriend? Would he have children in the future? Of course, Mats also had his longing and his thoughts. The one thing which really surprised me throughout the life of Mats was his optimism. It was his happiness. It was his curiousness about what we were doing when we were not together, how we experienced things when we traveled away on vacations, how our physical world was. His curiosity towards this was, in my world, very surprising because as he was very much physically 
bound to the house where we were living. Uh, we thought that he would be bitter. We thought that he would be angry, that he would be sad. But none of these emotions ever occurred with Mats. He was simply happy and optimistic. And this I really didn't understand the reason to, because looking from the outside, his physical world was, to be honest, quite limited. I have come, however, to the understanding after he passed away and I got to know these people that he spent so much time with online, that most probably his happiness, his optimism, his wanting to live a full life came from his experience on experiencing not only friendship and love, but also to be an important person in other people's life through his gaming. These elements are so important, I think, for us people to be important for other people, to experience friendship, to experience love. These are foundations of living a happy life. And Mats really experienced this with people he never met. Do you think it's easier also to open up online? Yes and no, because Mats started uh, to play this role-playing game, World of Warcraft, back in 2003-4, maybe, so we played it for eight, nine years. And he spent, I tried to calculate it, it spent as much as 15 to 20,000 hours with some of these friends over a period of eight years. 20,000 hours, that is like working for 10 years. So it was a considerable amount of time they spent together. But he never told anyone that he had Duchenne until the last two years of his life. So he didn't want to necessarily open up about his weaknesses. But as one of his friends that came to the funeral, her name is Anne, she, came from, she comes from Salisbury outside of London. And when she came to Oslo in 2014, she was 62 years old. She was trained as an organizational psychologist. She worked with headhunting in Brussels for the European Union. And she was my son's friend, even though she was 40 years older. And she told me that in the online world, you don't see age, you don't see handicap, you don't see the color of your skin, you don't see your ethical or cultural background, you don't see your clothing or your makeup. The only thing you see over such long period of time are your true values, what you have inside of your heart and what you really are thinking or who you want to be, your ideas and your thoughts. So it is actually your brain and your heart, your values and your thoughts that are transmitted in the online world. The rest is actually put aside. So what disturbs us, she says, in the physical world, what we consume through our eyes, that is actually taken away. She actually describes the online world as more pure, more solid than the physical world, where we are disturbed by appearance, by looks, by handicap, by age, by color of our skin, and so on and so forth. So I think by purpose, he was not so open about his condition in the beginning until he started to write this blog where he shares his views on how it is to be a young boy in Oslo, in Norway, with Duchenne. And he wrote on his blog, it's not a screen, it's a gateway to wherever your heart desires. 
Yeah, that's a very good expression. We have this discussion, parents and young ones, about the gaming. And we think that they're just sitting, spending time, wasting time is the expression we use very often, in front of a screen. And uh, in Norway and Sweden, we have a lot of trees. So at least here in Norway, it's very important for the young people to go out and climb trees. And if you don't climb trees as a young one, you don't become a good adult when you're older. And so if you don't ski and you don't climb trees, you're not really Norwegian. So we want our young, uh, this is a little bit joke, of course, but we want our children to be physical out in the nature. And we don't appreciate uh, if they spend too much time be uh, behind the screen. So all these discussions we have with our children, our young ones. And I think Mats in his blog put very good words on this. He said, for me, this is not a screen. It is a gate to the world. Other parents who experience that their children or young adults become very involved in gaming or spend a lot of time in front of the screen. What's your advice to them? I have just recently written a book about Mats and his life. Um, it's called At Night the Stars Come Out. He was part of a community called Starlight and they often very, very often played at night when they were not working or doing anything else. So that, that's where this title of the book comes from. In this book, um, I write, amongst others, that, and this is an old saying, uh, which goes approximately like this, seek first to understand, for then to be understood. Seek first to understand, for then to be understood. I think my generation, the parent generation towards the young gamers, we have not spent a lot of time to understand why gaming is so important to our children. I think we have been pretty good in understanding why the physical things they do, whether that is sports or culture, music, if it is just playing with the kids in the neighborhood, schooling system, universities, we're quite good at following them and understanding these kind of physical arenas. But the digital arenas, where they spend so much time, and which is so important for this generation, I don't think in general we have spent a lot of time trying to understand at all. And when we don't try to understand what is important for our young ones, we also lose their respect. And when we, on top of that, are also very strong in our views in these areas, which are important to our young ones, and which we don't have spent a lot of time to understanding, then we really end up in some kind of severe, ang angry, full discussions with them and where we lose the respect of our young ones. So my advice to all those parents out there who have gamers as sons or daughters, the girls are gaming almost as much as the boys now, at least here in Oslo and in Norway, uh, my advice would be to ask very politely, if the young ones could create an avatar and bring you with them into their online world. Not for us to invade their world, but to learn. To learn what is going on there and maybe also to meet some of the people, some of the friends they have on these digital arenas in the same way as we do on the physical arena. Then maybe 
we will have a different situation. I have heard so many stories and I have done it myself where I have said to Mats that you have to stop the gaming now because it's dinner. It's seven o'clock and we decided to eat at seven. So I uh, go down and I uh, shut off the computer and I bring him to the dinner table. I would never do that with Mia during a handball match. If it was 15 minutes left of the handball match at seven, I wouldn't go out on the field, take her off the handball field because it was dinner. So we have a different way of behaving in the physical world because we understand it. We have a, spent time understanding it and we have learned. This is not the case with the online world. So my advice would be to do the same in the online arenas as we do in the physical arenas with our children. And what would you say to teenagers gaming? It would be a little bit of the same, but at the same time, this is not a speech in favor of accepting gaming 24-7. Because we need to live our lives even if we are fond of gaming. Gaming in my world could be compared with a lot of other things we're doing. If you like to climb the trees or play football or play handball, that's fine, but you shouldn't do it 24-7. As a teenager, it's the same with the gaming. I think we as adults and parents should respect the value of the gaming, but it shouldn't be conducted 24-7 because then you lose out so much else in society and in the world. So that would be one message to the teenagers or to the young ones. The other message is to try to become a teacher for your parents. Try to invite them into the online world. Be patient because they are the pupils in this game. So we're turning the roles a little bit upside down and the children are our teachers. And this should also be understood by the children. So be a little bit patient with us. Invite us in. Don't accept if we want to invite, invite your private personal life. But be open to inviting us into your gaming world because then you can build the kind of understanding and the basis for a good conversation with your parents. I think what was the strongest uh, experience with, uh, which I learned from Mats's life, even though after he had passed away, uh, was that this digital arena really creates an alternative arena to build real, true friendships, to build real, true love experiences, to build real, true arenas for being possible helpers in other people's life. And that should not be underestimated. And the world will only become more digital. Today is probably the least digital day in the rest of our lives. And for those of us who have reached the 50s, I think we have to understand this and accept this in a different way than most of us have done till now. Thank you so much, Robert Stan from Norway, for being in the pod and telling us about Mats. My pleasure. This pod, Take on Duchenne, What You Need to Know About Duchenne Muscular Dystrophy, has been produced by Koma, and my name is Maria Mattel Suomalainen. The podcast has been produced with financial support from PTC Therapeutics.